0: You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts Todd Fox, Maddie Matt, and Gabby.
2: Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True mm-hmm. Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with yeah, exactly. and today's narrating will be Todd Fox. And uh, we want to thank you guys for tuning in, but before we get started, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, just type in Grinding True Crimes, and there you can find our page, like our page, follow our page, and you can leave a comment, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. For those listening to us outside of the US, you can listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocketcast, and Podchaser. Go to redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80 and there you can buy merchandise courtesy of Grinding Two Crimes. And if you like what we do and want to show support, you can leave a Cash App donation, just go to cash app type in dollar sign grinding true crimes listener's discretion is advised we do get into details that may be gruesome for uh, audience that might not you know be suitable so listener's discretion is advised this will be a part one from what todd told me uh we don't know what it's about but todd said this will definitely be a, a two-parter so uh we hope you guys got your popcorn ready because uh todd is about to break down part one of his case so todd fox the floor is yours
0: thank you maddie matt and gabby um first off real quick disclaimer too uh for our listeners have listened to all of our episodes up until this point or checked out our first few yes we know the first few were very rough me and matt were doing it from a, a garage that had no walls really uh real thin walls so the sound was echoing it was terrible um, I actually deleted the first uh three out of six episodes. Um, so the first few are still a little bit they're they're passable basically. But this one is a request that we got a lot only because the episode was bad. Um not only was our first episode together, it was uh very experimental and also the sound was god awful. So we are redoing the Night Stalker. And Uh-oh. With the Night Stalker, I went more in-depth this time than I did before. The previous episode was only 45 minutes long. Uh, This one is probably going to be an hour, and it's two-parter. So we've got a lot more information and a lot more things to dig into. So that's my disclaimer for this one. Shall we get started?
2: Yes, Um, we shall. And I'm glad you're redoing this, sir, because, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was pretty bad.
0: (laughs) It was very bad.
1: Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't in that one, so this will be
0: new for me. Yes, there you go. At least we have someone with surprised. And there's going to be some surprises here to Maddie, too, because there was a lot, like I said, a lot of stuff I didn't even get into um, before because a lot of information came out since then. Because we did that like three years ago or something already.
2: Like Yeah, when we first started, like mm-hmm. what, two years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's about the Night Stalker, whose name is Ricardo Richard Leva. Munoz Ramirez. That's his full name.
1: That
0: man had a when whole
2: name.
1: When <laughs> you started Ricardo Richard, I was I was gonna say Valenzuela.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he See, was, there's another part. I didn't know he had 16 names. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's a which one should I
0: call him? Eh? Ricardo, Richard, Leva, Munoz, Ram-
2: all of the above. So now we got a Latin narrator. Yes, telling. yes, we do.
0: Sorry, I'm now I'm going to offend some more people. I'm so sorry.
2: It's all out of love. No, no, no. We're not, uh, you know, disrespecting anybody. Yes. Well, at least yes. we, at least we don't think we are.
0: Yeah, I make fun of myself all the time. So. Me Shub, too. So shut it. Uh, <laughs> February 29th, he was born, nineteen sixty. Um, he was born to Julian and Mercedes Ramirez, and he was the youngest of five children um his father Julian was a Mexican national and a former Juárez policeman uh who later became a laborer for the Santa Fe Railroad um but like a lot of railroad people of the day um he was an alcoholic and he was uh when he tends to drink with a large family uh he let his emotions take the best of him and he began to get uh very belligerent and uh, physical uh with his uh children and his wife
1: how many kids did he have
0: uh five okay um and and uh, richard ramirez was the youngest of the five um so his father would sometimes take trips with a railroad that would take him out of the state uh, he'd be gone for about two three days the family was you know would br- breathe a sigh of relief and be cool Uh, because the mom was very, you know, church-going, very Catholic, um, and she was strict, but she was nice to the kids when the father wasn't around, and uh, she was like the go-between when they had issues and stuff like that. So, um, while, but the problem is the other four kids were old enough to go to school. Well, so while the father was gone and not abusing the family, uh, Mm -hmm. the mom had to work. She worked at a shoe factory uh, for most of the day, so uh, young Richard needed a babysitter, and uh, mm. yeah, so he had a babysitter at the age of three. Um, so uh, in 1963, Richard was a little bit of a problem child too. Um, nowadays, you would just slip him like a, a half a Xanax or give him some uh, <laughs> some pills because he was ADHD. I mean, he was running around like a little Speedy Gonzalez around the the. The living room knocking stuff over and everything and, and the, the babysitter was like a, from what they said, like a fat old lady, so she'd be like, she'd be like, ah, stop running around Richard, and he'd be like, epa, 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 you know, around <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> she, she'd be pretty, uh, pretty upset, you know, like, cause she didn't want to have to get off the couch. So oh, she
1: uh, didn't keep up with him then, maybe.
0: Not at all. Not at all. Um, so, uh, Richard one day, um, he wanted to listen to music. I don't, it didn't specify what music it was, but, you know, back in the, you know, the early sixties radios weren't always small, you know, they were kind of big Mm -hmm. and, um, she was watching her soap operas, did not want to get off the couch. And, um, the radio was on a, like a mid-level dresser type thing or kind of like cabinet. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you guess what happened?
1: I'm thinking this little tornado brought the whole cabinet down.
2: Matt? I'm gonna say he tried to climb the cabinet and then broke the radio and fell on his head. So so basically what Gabby said. Pretty much so.
0: <laughs> okay. I actually
2: lost my voice for a second. <laughs>
0: You keep, you keep imitating him, it's going to stay like that. Just saying.
1: Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, seriously.
2: I lost my i Stop talking like this. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Let's hit the stop button right now. No. Uh, no I'll get it back. <laughs> it's more. Yeah, actually, he's going through puberty live. It? <laughs> too late in life, no
1: babe?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you guys are both right. Um, he climbed the dresser and he tried to get the radio and, and tune it to a radio station. As he did, the, his weight, he, although he wasn't big, was, you know, enough to bring down the dresser and the radio upon his head.
1: Dang. Dang. So, those head injuries.
0: Yes, that's one of the telltale signs of a serial killer. They always have those head injuries. So this one would require 30 stitches. God, He was knocked out for 15 minutes.
2: Dang.
0: yeah so it's a very you know mercedes found out about it the husband came home the next day and they pretty much fired that lady and they were pretty pissed off you know because obviously now he's all jacked up for a good while now
2: mm-hmm.
0: so well, yeah
1: kind of babysitter mm-hmm. oh
0: what were you saying i'm sorry
1: no i'm saying what kind of babysitter is that yeah
0: it's a terrible one <clears throat> so
2: you want to watch her novellas.
0: Exactly. She, she didn't want nothing to do with a child. And he's full of energy, so you're not helping the situation. Um, so fast forward two years. The family is now 1965. They're going through issues internally. Uh, but outside the neighborhood, the people are looking at them as law-abiding citizens. Everyone thinks of Julian in high regard, being a former cop, being a railroad guy, making pretty good money. The mom's hardworking. The kids are kind of holding back the bruises that they've been getting from the father and everything else. Um, Ruben, um, he gets caught, which Ruben is the older son to Julian. He gets caught breaking into a home and gets arrested. Oh <clears throat> yeah. This, this did not look good because Julian was pissed off. Cause he's like, you know what? He, even though probably nobody was like paying attention, but you know how those people think that everyone's always looking at them uh-huh. and they've got to keep up appearances because, Oh my God, you know, what would, what would the neighbor across the street think of me? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. all
1: about what people think, what
0: people say. Yeah, even though he has no clue what people are thinking or saying. <laughs> they're probably not even paying attention to him. <laughs> yeah, but he he's thinking, oh, my God, they know my son was arrested. Uh, you know, I'm going to be the laughing stock of the neighborhood. And Well, the way Ruben thinks, drunk or not, he takes a, a garden hose, which at that time they're pretty thick, they're pretty heavy, they have the metal ends.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and he proceeds to beat the living you know what out of his oldest son with it.
1: Dang.
0: And so he's yelling at him, he's beating him up in his backyard, and which I'm thinking, okay, you know, you might want to do that inside the house, because now if you think your reputation's bad and no one even thought about it, now they're no, because you're yelling at him for what he did, and you're beating the snot out of him.
1: Yeah, he's pretty much announcing it to everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so it was so bad, that the mom had to throw herself in front of Ruben to save him from getting a a bigger beatdown. And um, then finally he snapped out of it. But who was watching the entire time?
1: The neighbors. The neighbors.
0: No, young Richard. Oh. Oh. Richard was front and center in the backyard crying at five years old watching his oldest brother just getting bloodied by his father. Yeah, so not a good look right there. Um, Mm. Ruben continued to have uh, problems. Um, He began sniffing glue, uh, which sniffing glue leads to a lot of hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. That's
1: interesting. You know, for the longest time, I would hear people say that. I never knew what that was, and I never knew you could get high off of that. mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, some of those industrial style um, glues, you can have some really big trips.
2: Yes. Even, uh, certain cleaners. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Um. it it was pretty crazy. Um, so moving forward, is my sound breaking up?
2: It is
1: Hey, sound a little low.
0: I have to edit that out. Sorry. There we go. Okay. Um, one, two, three. Um, so there would be more beatings of his sons. Um, You know, Ruben was upping his, his game. Now he was breaking into warehouses. Um, he was trying cocaine. And so this was just not a good look for himself. So at this time, his parents are trying to have him gravitate to his next sibling, which was his sister, Ruth. She was uh, about four years older than him and they had a pretty good connection. So out of the five kids, he began to really gravitate towards Ruth. Um, so another thing takes place a year later in 1966 um he's hanging out with his mom and dad they take him to a park to meet up with ruth and a couple of her friends and uh you know you know how kids get excited and they'll break away from the parents when they see maybe a particular kid at the swing set or Uh the playground they're like "Eh," ah, they run they try to give him a hug and whatnot Uh (laughs) so picture a little richard he's uh not the not the singer Little Richard, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, I see, you see what I did there. Um, so he's running across the blacktop and he sees his sister and his sister's like, "Yeah, hey, Richard. And so he makes a beeline and he's just focused in on Ruth. He wants to give her a big hug, but he goes right in front of these big kids swings. And there's a big old chunky kid just swinging really high. And as he comes back down, oh, Richard <laughs> Richard runs right in front of his path of him swinging back down from being up real high. And he gets kicked to the head to where he goes flying like 10 feet. Oof.
2: <laughs> Whoa. So his head is uh, getting really abused at a young age.
0: Yes, and that would require 10 more stitches.
2: <laughs>
1: <Dang>.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, little Richard is uh, singing the blues at this time. Um, Literally. Yeah. So uh, a year later, he's about, uh, you know, six or seven years old at this point. I think seven. Um, He's in school. Everything seemed okay. Uh, His teacher, you know, he's passing notes back and forth and uh, automatically out of nowhere. He passes. uh, You know, he gets caught. The teacher's like Richard. And then that triggered something in his head and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts to have a seizure.
1: Oh, crap. Whoa.
0: Yeah, he just starts convulsing in class. Um,
1: really messed up now.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, starting to feel it. And the thing is, his parents don't take him to the doctor for a couple days. Oh,
2: dear. Well, there we have it.
0: Yeah, it's not until he has a pretty bad seizure in front of his father where they're like, You know what? Mercedes, I think we should take him to the hospital. <laughs> you think? You think so? Yeah. And uh, these doctors aren't the greatest down there in El Paso, because that's where they're at. They're in El Paso, Texas, mm. and uh, basically they diagnose him with grand mal seizures. And grand uh,
2: mal seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh.
0: And um, usually these these are not often fatal, but they can be if left untreated. And uh, they're usually stuff that uh, you can grow out of, but you just can't make that assumption right away like you need to have real evidence that the kid's going to grow out of it and the doctor is like oh this is just a violent muscle contraction it'll go away as he gets older you know don't worry about it you know take a couple aspirin he'll be fine and that's basically it Mm. dang yeah and and basically the you know it's a a seizure that's caused by abnormal electrical activity throughout the brain uh, from a traumatic Ooh. injury, which is what Richard had like two or three of those already, yeah, so that that brought on his um his seizures so um well, oh, go ahead,
2: no, I just said that that's interesting,
0: so this doctor's name was Johnson by the way, because you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think these seizures are gonna go away that little Ramirez kid is gonna be just fine, you know
1: <laughs>
2: uh-huh. I reckon. <laughs> But wait, he was in El Paso, so we gotta give give him a different name. Oh. Morning. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's gonna have like two guns in his holsters. Like, yeah, <laughs> like why are you shooting the gun off in the the clinic, doctor? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why oh, I ask why. Just try some bud dry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so then they they uh they say yeah uh you, you got these grandma seizures um you know it'll eventually grow out of them and then he kept having them so then dr johnson again said well i i think those are petty mal seizures now those might just last for about five to ten minutes and then they'll go away you know uh but mm-hmm. th- the problem is he would have these petty mal seizures which he'd be looking at you and he'll just look in a, in a trance and he's actually having a seizure. Like his body's not moving, but his, because it can't, you know, he's not convulsing, but his yeah. body's like in a, in a statue like form and he's actually having visions. Oh, oh crap! yeah. He's at the age of seven. He started having demonistic visions of just stuff you would see if you were extremely high, like on LSD or something. What the heck? Yeah. Is he anybody
1: having... flipping him things?
0: No, at this point, it's it's all his brain activity. It's just all his brain activity. I wonder what he would see. Well, he describes some of this stuff later, and I'll get into okay. it. yeah, I'll get into some okay. of the stuff he sees. Okay. um, But he would tell his parents. Well, we might as well get into it right now. Um, He would tell his parents that he saw creatures eating other creatures, Uh, things bloody images of things like cartoonish stuff uh just far out weird things that you would see um like again if you're on a an incredible uh uh trip acid trip or something and yeah, that's for sure mhm and he's having these over and over and to the point where his parents just thought he was having an imagination like he just had a trippy imagination they took him to church and they were like oh you know he's just you know it's part of the seizure stuff it'll go away everyone kept just saying oh it's gonna go away it's gonna go away it's gonna go away um so fast forward now to the age of 10 he's ni- in 1970 um he's with his cousin miguel ramirez um right before he would ship off to vietnam he would hang out with his cousin and that's when he started to smoke weed at 10 years old
1: dang yeah so i have a question wait mm-hmm. This doctor, so they never ran any tests on him?
0: No, because back then there was no MRIs, nothing like that. So it was just like they put, you know, they just took that little thing that you tap them on the knee you just see their reflexes. They probably just tapped them on the head and they're all, <laughs> yeah, it's a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: just, they
2: said, describe what you're feeling. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>. that's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take a vitamin C. So it was like doctor, I think I'm going through early menopause. Yep, you are.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You feel those things? Yep.
2: That's exactly what Miss Cleo would do.
0: <laughs> and I was like, ma'am, you're gonna grow out of that at some point.
1: Right. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. That's El Paso for you. Um so his his grades, obviously when you first start smoking weed, um, you know, it, it affects people differently. But uh, with him, he had no concentration. His grades were slipping because he was, a, despite the seizures, he was a good kid before that. Um, but from the ages of 10 to 11, his grades slipped. His father would get really super upset with him. Um, but then a year later, um, <clears throat> Julian and him never had any kind of relationship until, uh, you know, you wouldn't think of the Night Stalker being a football player, but he began to play football for his junior high team
1: oh great more injuries
0: (laughs) yeah and so he's playing football and his father's you know they're having a great time watching the games on television his father's coming to all his games he gets about halfway through the season they tell him to go catch a pass over the middle and he automatically falls down and starts having a
2: serious uh seizure jesus yeah why would but here's my thing if i'm a parent Why would I put him in a sport knowing that you will get hit? If I know my child has seizures,
1: yeah, especially he's already had like some severe injuries.
0: Well, we're literally not dealing with the smartest people here in the town (laughs) or in his family right here. So,
1: (laughs) So the family is a Johnson,
0: pretty much, are Johnsons right now.
2: That whole town's Johnson. (laughs) Sure
0: is. They're all, wow, that boy made a nice play. yee And then he falls down. Get him off the field! <laughs> so, um, mm. yeah, he had a seizure. He collapsed on the field. And uh, you would think the coach would be like, oh, man, you know, we need to take him to the doctors. You know, I and Richard wants to play. We should let him play, but he's got to be healthy first. And the coach is uh-huh. like, I don't want him on the team because if something happens to him, you know, that falls back on me mm-hmm He didn't want anything to do with Richard. So Richard gets kicked off the team.
2: Wow. I mean, that's a <laughs> You shot. know what? I don't blame him either.
0: Yeah. I mean, they didn't really have waivers back then either. So the liability could have been the coach.
2: Yeah. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to take that risk either.
0: Yeah. And the father's like, well, that was the one thing that brought us together. I don't care about you anymore. So he kind of was like, just get good grades.
1: That's That's sad.
0: Yep. Yep. And uh, so then his, at the same time, uh, Miguel had gone back to Vietnam in late 71. And, uh, you know, Richard is, you know, kind of suffering. He can't, uh, you know, play football no more. It's 73. He's still struggling. He's about like 13 years old. His grades just kept taking a bigger dive at the age of 13 and, uh, <clears throat> you know, he didn't have a role model. His father wasn't close to him anymore. His father's trying to trying to keep him in line, but he keeps running away from, sc- from school or ditching. And So there's just all kinds of problems. Miguel's turning into the black sheep of the family along with Ruben. Uh, Ruben's still robbing houses. Um, mm-hmm. So then Miguel, Miguel is going to become part of this story real quick. He comes back um, at the age of 27 in 1973. You okay. So, uh, you know Miguel was known as a troublemaker before going to Vietnam the first time and Everyone looked up to him because he's a Vietnam veteran now everyone didn't agree with the war back then obviously peace and love and all that stuff Woodstock and people kind of were like why are we fighting the war? But the veterans still came back to towns like El Paso as heroes even though people didn't believe in the war what they were doing um So despite how he was raised, despite how he would still be on cocaine when he came back, um, people still looked at him. Hey, he's wearing a military, uh, you know, outfit. He's he's a hero. Um, Now, here's the thing about the Vietnam War. Uh, It was a killer be killed. A lot of young men lost their lives of all different races. It was a terrible war. A lot of Viet Cong got killed over there. There was a lot of brutality on both sides. So yeah. what I'm going to say may or may not shock those that don't know about the Vietnam War, but if you did your history and you researched some of the guys that came back, I mean, you want to talk about the first real bad PTSD from some of these people that came back? Pretty much mm-hmm. came from World War II, but more so in Vietnam. Um, what do you think Miguel came back with as souvenirs?
2: I'm going to say probably body parts of some of the you know people that they killed in the war oh gabby
1: i i can't imagine him carrying back body parts um i don't know like just stuff that belonged to the people he killed
0: no he he was a rock collector he he brought back uh various no he didn't bring back rocks uh <laughs> <laughs> This guy this guy was a literal badass. Um, at, he once survived an ambush of over 200 Viet Cong where he had his regiment of soldiers. He was only one of two guys that survived the firefight, and he helped kill over uh, 40 guys on one, uh, one run by himself. He killed 40 guys, and he did a lot of hand-to-hand combat where he slid a lot of throats.
1: Oh no! So this
0: guy was—he was mean in a fight. Um, but Maddie was right. He came back with body parts. What? Yeah, he came back with ears, okay, nose. That's
1: not fair because he already knew this story. I did know this part. <laughs> <laughs> no, cheater. <he>
2: <laughs> if I—if we go back, he didn't talk about his cousin in, in, in the first.
0: Yeah, that's right. I didn't talk about him. Yeah. But um, he came back with, with uh, various facial stuff, even scalping a few guys. Oh, dear. But that's not the worst of it. So what he would do, though, is he and another guy would rape young Viet women in villages that they deemed sympathetic to the Vietnamese army. Um, he would take pictures with them prior to the rape, during the rape. And then post-mutilation, he would chop their heads off. And he would also mutilate their bodies before uh, taking more pictures.
1: No, Uh he was
2: sick.
0: He got so sick that he figured out a way to shrink their
2: heads.
1: What the heck?
2: So he was the original shrunken... Well, no, shrunken head's been going on for years in Africa, but... Mm -hmm but he figured out a way to do it. Out a way.
0: Mm-hmm. And you think what? that's bad? What do you think he did with a collection of heads?
2: I'm going to say he, he probably worshipped them or something. Gabby?
1: I think he put them in a in a glass case or something.
0: Close. I don't know. I mean, we might have to go to the judges on who get who got this one, but uh, he put them in a duffel bag, sealed them up, and fluffed him like a pillow and went to sleep on him every night.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's worship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that guy is crazy. Yeah, and some of his fellow soldiers knew what he was doing and knew what the other guy was doing. God knows where the other guy went, but we do know about Miguel's story. Um, he actually somehow, some way, brought all that stuff back to America, the heads included.
1: See, that's why I didn't guess that. Because I thought, how on, how on earth is he going to get through with that?
0: I have no idea. I mean, it was a
2: war. That was his trophy.
0: I would yeah. think someone would check his
2: bags, right, when they get on one of those planes. Yeah. He probably stuffed it with uh, cotton and had him, you know. Who knows? He, if he figured out a way to shrink their heads, I'm quite sure he figured out a way to sneak it in. Mm-hmm. But the... the before you get on, I want to piggyback on what you said. I you were right about the P S, uh, PTSD and all stuff. My uncle, uh, my dad's brother, served in Vietnam, and he came back messed up, to the point where he was homeless. Damn so much. I wanted you know to piggyback on that. You were actually accurate with that one because uh, for years he was out in the streets, and as a young youngster, we would see him. But it was nothing we can do, really. We wasn't going to take him in because we couldn't trust him. But, yeah, for, for years, you know, he left his family, left his kids, my cousins, and he was out in the streets. It wasn't until, like, maybe two years ago to this date that they finally, uh, he cleaned him up and uh, he got the, um, what's it, what was it when you served? I forgot what it is when you serve. They uh, they hook you up with something. I forgot what it was called. But they got him at home They cleaned him up, and now he's doing a little better
0: that's good that's good I probably got all those GI benefits I think it's what's
2: yeah called. the benefits yeah yeah the GI benefits and all that
0: that's so, good
2: yeah but from what my dad told me before he died my uncle saw a lot went through a lot and yeah yeah
0: that stuff stays with you I mean if you ever see those stories about even World War II those guys are in their 90s still crying about D-Day because it just never went away
2: never went away
0: never went away
1: yeah i can't imagine that like i saw this kid get ran over and like thrown up in the air one time and that image is still in my head Mm -hmm. matt's dad's passing other people but i can't imagine like the daily of that
2: seeing someone blow up
1: body parts
2: everywhere and yeah yeah yep it's terrible
0: war is a terrible thing yep because even the survivors don't come back the same, and this guy was no different. So yeah. so you remember he was close to Richard, and uh, right when he came back from Vietnam, the first guy he started talking to was Richard, and Richard at this time, you know, again, he's like, like 13 years old. and uh. Uh, So you have an unstable guy now hanging out with a kid who has uncontrollable seizures and visions, and they're smoking weed, and he's trying cocaine for the first time. Richard is. Mm. So
1: if uh, so that's going to fix his issues.
0: Yeah. And, and what did Rick
2: James say? <laughs>
0: Cocaine's, Cocaine's a hell of a <laughs> drug. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You can say it.
0: Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> but uh, but now I um, and then here's the worst part is, you know, Miguel starts telling him stories about what happened over there in uh, in the uh, Vietnam, and so Richard gets more, you know, in, intrigued by it, and he's like, "Hey, you want me to show you some pictures?" He starts showing him pictures of women being raped, the the headless women. He starts showing him pictures of him, uh, and uh, you know, killing other soldiers. He has body parts he's showing him. So Richard's seeing all this, you know, all it's this just, is getting stored in
1: him up more, huh?
0: Hmm. And then Ugh. to top things off, Miguel's like, here's how, you know, here, let's, uh, let's sneak up on that dog over there. I'll, 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 you know how dogs have good sense. He'll never know I'm coming because I used to do this to the Viet Cong. So they'd go outside and, and they're sneaking up on animals. And he shows how he can just grab them from the back. And then he goes, here's where you want to stab the knife, you know, right for the jugular. It only takes one. And you could take out the major artery and the jugular at the same time. Like he's teaching like young Richard to be stealthy. You know, so he's giving him all the worst tips right now.
1: Dang. (sighs) Man.
0: Yeah. And then he's creating a monster. He sure is. He sure is creating a monster. And he even says the most powerful thing you could do is hold a knife to someone's throat because whether you do it or not, you're the God. You're a God for that moment. You have the right to take that person's life or, or let them live. You know, you're their god.
2: I get his point, and in a sense, he's correct. In a sense, because I get it, because like with a knife, if you're up close with someone with a knife at the throat, it's not like a gun where you can like uh, you know be at a distance and take their life. With a knife, you're up close and you can either slice them or. I get his point. I mean, it's not accurate what he's saying, but I get what he's saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you couple this with everything he's doing, everything he's seeing, he's now having visions and dreams of decapitations, of killing people, of blood. And he's begin- talking about Richard? Yeah, Richard. Richard's starting what? to get a boner and start to masturbate. What? Yeah, he's starting to masturbate to these thoughts in his head.
1: What the heck?
0: Yeah, so he's he's also dealing with his inner demons because his entire family is strong Catholics. And Catholics don't play that stuff. You know, they have a conscience. You have to go and and repent, you know, whether you light candles, whether you go to confession, you know, uh, he knows what's right and wrong because growing up, he would read the Bible. His mom read the Bible to him. So he's like, you know what? I, I can't, uh, I can't let God know what I'm thinking. So what do you think his, what do you think his, uh, way of thinking of getting around the God aspect is at the age of (laughs) fourteen?
2: Wait a minute. Before I answer, I just want to say he tried to. He didn't want God to know what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay. All right, not laughing at him but I get it. You know, um, I'm gonna say, uh, dang, I don't know if you covered this one, so I, I'm really. I'm gonna say he probably covered his head in a pillowcase so that he. <laughs> could kind of block his thoughts in a sense. Somewhere where he blocked his brain so that
1: so God couldn't, so God
2: couldn't see it or read it. No. What do you think, Ray? Uh,
1: maybe washed his head? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, he figures, well, if, uh, if I can't please God, nothing I do, you know, I don't want God to see my thoughts and everything, well, I'll just tune God out altogether and I'll start worshiping Satan.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Well, he went far left, not politically, but he went far left in what I thought it was.
0: Yeah, he went. he I went mean,
1: makes sense now, like, he to be on the side of the devil, then that means God wouldn't be with him, so God would That makes, now.
2: yeah, yeah, that does make sense.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about pleasing God anymore now, he just pleases Satan now, because he picks up a book, which is the uh, the Satanic Bible, and it preaches, there is they no happen? such. Yeah, they do. Um, and it preaches that there's no such thing as a sin and that you're able to do whatever you want, as long as it's in the name of Satan or whatever like that. So he That's takes
1: an interesting thing to me, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I consider the word Bible to be holy. So to know that people that worship Satan have a Bible is kind of like, what?
0: Yeah. doesn't make Why sense, right? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so that's the contradiction right there. And that could be a whole podcast in itself. But uh, he he chooses to go with Satan on this one. And um, so they're, they're spending a lot of time together. Now, like I said, Miguel's about 27 years old. And he's got two kids of his own, two small boys, a wife. And Miguel's wife is not happy with this at all. She's She's upset that, you know, he's not working. Um, He's just at home while she works. And, uh, you know, she's got two jobs. You know, Miguel should be working, but he's not. And instead, you know, it's just Richard's hanging out with him all day at the house or the apartment at the apartment, actually, in El Paso. And uh, we have a date.
1: Oh, Oh,
2: I, I have a feeling who I think it is, but I might be wrong. May
0: 4th, to be exact, 1973. On this day in a hot El Paso afternoon, Miguel's apartment, uh, he was watching his two two sons getting and also getting high uh, while his wife went grocery shopping. Uh, Richard came by after his wife left and uh, she came back a little earlier than expected. So because Richard was trying to, you know, to avoid the an argument, he was going to leave before she came back. But he was playing with some toys with the little kids on the coffee table when Miguel's wife came in a little early with only a couple bags of groceries and got really pissed and said, listen, Miguel, I told you time in time out, stop hanging out with your good for nothing cousin and why don't you help me out around the house, yada, 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 do the the laundry, go to the, you know, get a job, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, will you shut up, woman? And they start yelling back and forth. And then um, he's like, you know, I've had enough of your lip and he grabs his gun And he goes, you know, I should just blow you away right now. And she goes, you know what? You don't even have the balls to do it. You're not even half a man. You wouldn't do it all this and this blah, blah, blah. And she's just ripping them upside one down the other. And then he just says, you know what? Puts the gun to her forehead and pulls the trigger.
1: Dang. Yep.
0: So right in front of, you guessed it, Richard, she drops to the floor and starts bleeding feet away from him. The his sons come out running, screaming, seeing his uh, their mom dead, and uh, Miguel says, "Go home. Don't tell anyone what happened in this apartment. I've got to clean the the crime scene up."
2: So Richard saw all of this. Yes, he did. Mm.
0: So as the blood was flowing out of you know her head right in front of him, he leaves, goes back to his house. And it was a couple hours later that the police would come to the house and, you know, and interview the, you know, Richard's family. And Richard acted all surprised like he didn't know. Um, and Miguel was arrested that night. Um, you know, uh, what do you think uh, Miguel's Miguel would wind up with as far as jail time and all that?
2: He was a Vietnam veteran. I'm going to say he got maybe 10 years.
0: Gabby? Uh,
1: Maybe 15.
0: Mm. No, he got four years, and then he was sent to a psychiatric ward. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And a mental institution for I don't know how long he wound up staying in there, but, yeah, that's about it.
2: They probably figured, you know, he probably had a flashback of war and he accidentally shot her in a, a hallucinating rage, I guess. Something
0: like that. Something. And so he, he got off, basically. They they did, like you said, consider his war time service and gave him a slap on the wrist, even though he murdered his wife in cold blood. Mm. And they did find all that stuff that he had, too. So that was... That probably, oh, they did, mm-hmm, they found all the shrunken heads, all that other stuff.
1: Mm. So, yeah, that probably... even like that,
2: well, that would tell me this guy ain't normal. Yeah, that's probably but, what they used. Yeah, but in this instance, in this sense, he was, in a sense, he knew what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they st- he still got off easy.
0: Now, that's <laughs> years in advance what happened to Miguel. Now, going back to just two days after the shooting this part made no sense. Okay. So keep in mind, you know, Richard's 13 still. Yes. He's experienced life. He smoked weed. He's done cocaine, stuff like that. Um, you know, he's not the most innocent kid, but why as a father, again, as you're going there to pick up belongings from, you know, Miguel's house, you know, for other family members of the, of his wife, would you bring, you know, your youngest kid with you to help, find stuff for the family Richard sees the pool of blood and becomes aroused he starts going through uh, Miguel's wife's things like such as panties jewelry and feels like a god because he's controlling someone that he once was alive and now he's in possession of her things he's getting a godlike persona and he's feeling a sexual arousal out of that too man he's yeah. messed up
1: he's being really creepy
0: yeah. Yeah. So he's he's really turning into something pretty trippy here. Um, Julian tries to control him through his uh, latter teenager years, but he keeps rebelling. Mercedes tries Catholic priests and everything else like that. Nothing works. Uh, Ruben's now in Los Angeles, and uh, Julian and Mercedes over the summer decide to send him over there and to, you know... Uh, possibly straighten out, but Ruben's been lying to him. He's not straightening out his life. He's robbing places left and right in East L.A. And when uh, Richard gets out there, he starts to teach him how to break in and enter houses and warehouses and steal money and steal things and sell things. And uh, this is where he starts to really get into harder drugs like LSD and other hallucinations hallucinogens along Mm. with more cocaine
1: use. Mm. It just seems everywhere he goes, he has some, some type of example. Yeah. Somebody is going to teach him everything he's not supposed to do.
2: Correct. And it's by a loved one, a family member.
0: Correct. And, and nobody's telling him this is wrong. Don't do it. And so he's getting all the wrong, like you said, all the wrong teachings. And, uh, you know, he, he just keeps falling off the deep end. Plus, he's got all those uh, hallucinations he's having. Seizures are still going. So he's pretty effed up at this point. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Um. So he moves back to El Paso in early 1974, and he starts going into the country and stalking small animals, uh, rodents, uh, deer, and making it a game to where he can kill them with a knife before they notice him, before they look back. Like, he fe- he fails if they look back at him. So he's trying to sneak up on animals and, and get them before they know that he's even there.
1: Mm.
0: That's how twisted he's becoming.
1: Just like his stupid cousin told him.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, in around 1975, he starts escalating. You know how people escalate from one bad thing to another? hmm He starts to become a neighborhood peeping Tom. And he starts looking in on women undressing, small girls, uh, trying to see ones that go into showers, get out of showers. He's getting real close to entering these houses with people in them.
1: Wow. Yeah, and the
2: voyeurism.
1: Freaking Pervo.
0: Yep. And then he and then he escalates again. In late 1975, at the age of 15, he gets a job at a Holiday Inn in El Paso, Texas, as a lower-tier maintenance man and sort of like custodial kid. Uh-huh.
2: Not good at all. Not
0: good. Yes, you know where this is going.
2: He's got keys to the rooms, too?
0: <sighs> yes, and you called it. He actually steals a a higher-ups and maintenance uh, master key. Ooh. So for a little while there in the summer of 75, he's going into random rooms and stealing things from people's wallets, from their luggage, uh, things of that nature, just petty stuff at times, and then he would just get the balls to then go in there when the women were by themselves, maybe sniff their clothing while they're in the shower, or maybe peek into the room, you know, to catch them, you know, trying to get undressed and things like that. So uh-huh. he's getting closer and closer to trying to do something, and the voices in his head, the way he's been thinking, the the, the fantasies, he's getting closer and closer to doing so rugs <laughs> making it worse I'm sure mhm mm-hmm. so one day it actually happens he sees an opportunity that he cannot pass up he's come so close so many times he's gonna do it he gets into a room he sees a young woman in her mid 20s getting undressed getting ready to go in the shower he's like that's it smelling her underwear is not gonna work for me I'm going for the whole thing and he sneaks up on her. He he puts his hand over her mouth, grabs her, carries her to the bed, starts to tie her up, starts to get her into a position of rape. And out of nowhere, like a scene out of a movie, the husband walks in Ooh. at the right time, mind you, like, like he was getting ready to penetrate her. And he comes in and he has two bags of, of food and he immediately drops those and begins to kick the living you know what out of Richard Ramirez.
2: I would have
1: killed Good.
2: him. I would have killed him.
0: He beat him so bad the police said that his face was two, uh, two sizes bigger than it normally should be.
1: Good. he should have killed him.
0: Yeah, he should have killed him. And that's I think that's one break right there that he wasn't killed and then this second break will literally piss
2: you um oh, no. what, what happened?
0: Do you, what do you think happened?
2: Okay, so police walks in, they see the bloody fifteen year old, they take him in. I'm gonna say he didn't serve any time or anything. They just let him go. You learned your lesson. <laughs> Gabby.
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna think that the husband taught him the lesson and they're just gonna like give him probation or something.
0: Well you guys are close. But he didn't even get probation on this one. Wow. Here's what happened. So the couple that was involved in this heinous crime or almost crime, uh, were from Germany. They were from an entirely different country. And so mm. what, what happened is when the police and, you know, Richard's in the hospital, uh, they're, they're saying, Hey, you know what? We don't have the money to stay here. We're not going to fly back when the, when the, uh, trial begins We're just going to drop the charges.
1: Oh, come on.
0: Yep. They dropped the charges.
1: That is so stupid. If he already tried that, he's going to do it to somebody else.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Talk about a huge win for him, right?
1: God.
0: I told you I was going to piss you off. And here's the worst part. So his mom and aunt come down to see him in the hospital. He's got, you know, before they drop the charges. He's got handcuffs to the, um, you know, the bed. He's all effed up in the face. And he's like, no, mom, you don't understand. Uh, She was coming on to me. And, you know, the husband just got jealous and beat me up. You know, I I didn't even touch her. I didn't touch him. And and he just went off on me. You know, it's, it's their fault. And because the charges were dropped, the language barrier between English and Spanish.
1: They believed him.
0: They believed him.
1: So it was just a case of she was cheating on her husband and he happened to walk in.
2: In a rape position. Yeah.
0: She must have liked to be,
2: you know, tortured or
1: whatever. That is ridiculous.
2: I get the language barrier and I'm quite sure Gabby can probably um, elaborate on that. But whether it's language barrier or not, you got to see the evidence, you know. Cause evidence the evidence showed that you know he clearly broke in because she didn't she didn't know him and the position I don't know it didn't say exactly what position she was in or whatever it whatever the case may be but for the husband to literally beat the tar out of this guy that would tell me that this wasn't consensual
1: exactly I mean, I think a a husband would still want to beat him up that way, knowing that he was cheating with his wife, regardless. Mm -hmm. But it's true. Like he says, the evidence should show you what happened. But the thing is that if the person who the victim here drops the charges, then there's nothing authorities can do. It's really up to that person.
0: Exactly, because there was not another party in that room to say, no, 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 this did happen. We could stay behind and testify it's at that point your word versus his and if they're not going to be there then it's his word that wins out
1: yeah so
2: i mean i kind of understand why they probably would drop the target they're way in germany you know i'm not about to fly away out here for i'm i'm think i'm saying for their thoughts i'm mm-hmm. not about to fly way back to el paso you know to to deal with this situation i beat the crap out of them already let's just move on
1: So you're saying that... No, no, no,
2: I'm not saying that's what I would do. I'm saying that's probably what he was thinking.
1: So what I'm saying is, like, if we went out of town and we went on a vacation somewhere, and that happened to me, I don't think, babe, we would be in that position to say, oh, great, well, we have to fly over there, you know, go to court and all this stuff. You do it. Yes. Now, if you're not willing to, then it's like, well, damn. How much are you backing up the person who was victimized in this situation, who almost got raped and could have been killed?
2: No, I agree. Like I said, I'm not saying I would have done that. I definitely would have been like, no, no, no. I want to make sure this fool ends up in jail again. I'm willing to save some money. Here's another vacation. Especially
1: because, you know, you're saving other people from his stupidity.
2: Yeah. I'm just saying, this is the 70s. You know, they probably didn't have a lot of money to fly back out. Who knows? But his mindset was, I already got my revenge. I beat the crap out of him. So whatever happens next to him, I hope he learned his lesson. That's yeah. probably what he was thinking.
0: True, and it could be the fact too that, you know, maybe the guy thought, well, he didn't rape her. You know, had he raped her, maybe we came back, because maybe if he raped her, he'd have been like, yeah, we are flying back. He's gonna get terminated.
2: <laughs> Did it terminated from Austria uh, or something like that? Yeah, somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> he's German. <laughs> yeah, he's on nine. We go back.
0: <laughs> but hey, you're uh, you're
2: you're you're German,
0: Todd. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm telling you, he'd be
2: like, "Yeah, that little shyster's gonna deal with me." <laughs> no, i mean that, that's you what i think. wonder he got a
1: good and this man was
2: german oh yeah yeah man he probably beat the crap out of him he did he really
0: did and that's another head injury too for uh ramirez another head injury yeah
1: <laughs> this guy should just be locked up in an asylum at this point
0: yeah and it's it's getting worse i'm telling you part two is gonna be crazy as we're winding down part one Um, He's now 18 now. So fast forward three years after that. Who knows what he did between 15 and 18?
1: He was still a minor.
0: He was was still a minor. Yeah.
1: Oh, please. Yeah,
2: when he did that. Yeah.
1: And you want to come off with she was seducing him? Come on.
0: Yeah, exactly. She was a 20-something-year-old, you know, late 20-something around there, 27,
1: 28.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. So now he's 18. Um, He would commit his first rape and torture of a woman who turned him down for a date he would climb into her house tie her up to the bed sexually molest her and then rape her all night long torture her by you know poking stabbing her with uh, various needles, knives not crazy wounds but enough to draw blood and he would threaten her and get away with it because he threatened her not to say anything and she didn't oh
2: dear was she young too?
0: No, she was about about like 22, something like that, about four years older than him.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So you fast forward again. Over the next four years, he became a drifter. He stole cars in different areas of El Paso before finally moving back to the Los Angeles area with Ruben. He had enough of El Paso. Um, He stole a car one day in the Los Angeles area and drove it all the way up to San Francisco, to meet the uh, the the creator and the writer of the book of Satan, the Bible book of Satan, uh, <laughs> and um, mm. he met him, talked with him a little bit, wanted him to be his spiritual evil guide, and um, the all the the creator said was, "Hey, um, you know, sins are are uh, they don't matter in this book. You you let uh, Satan guide you, and you'll never be wrong." And he took that to heart and um he also began to steal more uh live on the street um because he had to at this point he gave up the LSD but he was major into cocaine and cocaine's not cheap even back in the 80s and mm-hmm. um he really had to do cuz you need a lot of it you just can't get one bump here one bump there mm-hmm. so he was stealing he was selling uh he was trying to get as much out of it as he could and um he wound up, uh, you know, getting, uh, breaking all kinds of rules, and you know, laws. I mean, and he would start his teeth would start to decay because he wasn't going to the dentist. Um, so he had bleeding gums. Uh, you'll see from some all pic- those drugs. <laughs> yeah, from the drugs. So you'll see these some of these pictures, and that's what he'll be known for later. His victims will his get that god awful breath that he had.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah.
0: So nice. his teeth look terrible. Watch, I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture. Um, but by this time, it's 1984. So six years go by where he's raping, um, you know, he's stealing uh, cars, um, copper pipes, whatever he can get his hands on, jewelry to make up money. And uh, long story short, he starts to get the bloodthirst to kill. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have another date. It's June 28th, 1984. This won't be confirmed for quite some time, but what happens in 1984? He was staying at a very crappy motel in the heart of San Francisco. And there's a lot of immigrants there, not just, you know, Latin immigrants. There's a lot of Chinese American immigrants. And a lot of those families have a lot of kids too. And unfortunately, A little Chinese-American girl by the name of Mei Luin uh, happened to be straying a little too far from her uh, hotel room, and Richard snagged her like the predator and the piece of crap that he is and was, and uh, he took her to the basement of the motel where he raped her, stabbed her, and suffocated her to death. Uh,
1: How old was she?
0: Nine years old.
1: Oh God! See, man.
0: Yeah, and
1: death right there.
0: Yeah, he should have died right there. Um. Also,
1: sorry, but what kind of parent are you if you're at a motel full of there could be druggies, psychos, pedophiles, a bunch of people you don't know, and you're gonna let your kid just be out there?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Nine years old. Nine years old man now that
0: the parents and the police would not find her for a couple more hours but when they did um they found her hanging uh like to a pipe that goes overhead you know in in a basement Mm -hmm. um with her arms stretched out and her head kind of down her feet barely off the ground in a jesus christ post Mm. pose I mean sorry pose um local police and detectives were furious and they were very upset and they um they told the local newspapers that they were putting every man on the job they needed to solve this case it tugged at all their hearts because of the ones that had kids they were like that's they couldn't believe what they saw you know mm. they, re- they realized what this little 9 year old went through and they were like no there has to be retribution know we got to catch this guy unfortunately um that would not take place for 25 years (sighs) Um, long after richard ramirez was arrested spoiler alert um it would it would not be found out till 2009 because of a cold case unit that would actually open that case up to find trace amounts of DNA that would link Richard Ramirez to that case. So Richard never spoke of this case and it would not come out that that was one of his crimes until well after he had been already arrested.
2: See, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So this was a, a, you know, solved case. that barely happened. What? 13 years ago or so. Uh They were able to finally close that case. Yeah. So,
2: a grown man that want to do anything to a little kid like that, man. They, they they deserve to be tortured. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or a woman that does anything to a little boy or girl. Either way. A grown adult should not touch a kid.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And unfortunately, there is a lot more to come. And because Richard Ramirez is only, at this point of our story, touched the surface of the sheer devil that he actually turns into so we've got a lot to cover i'm gonna try to wrap it up in part two um could be a part three there's a lot to get into still so this was just a basic setup for um his southern california trip where he puts between the years of 1983 and 84 all of southern california on notice and freaks them the hell out and i even have a small little story i've touched on before about what happened with my sister That was kind of involving the Richard Ramirez thing, so. You still call her that? Uh, I don't claim her no more, but I just did, didn't I? I just did, didn't I? Oh my god, you did. I should edit that out because I wouldn't piss on her if she caught on fire.
2: My bad. That's a narrow story, ladies and gentlemen. I know Todd for years, so that's why I said that. (laughs) Damn it! Why did I claim it? It. It's okay. Technically, she is Todd. Uh, only through DNA, that's all.
1: There you go. <laughs> it's so, already pissed me off.
2: I'm, I'm already pissed off, bro, okay, seriously. Right, and, right. and, and I take it you're going to stop right here, huh?
0: I sure am because we're going to – the next one is pure – right now he's Richard Ramirez, but we'll get into the Night Stalker case where he just goes off.
2: You just lobbed it up there for us. Yep. Did a half dunk, pissed us off. <laughs>
1: Like we said he would.
2: Like we knew you would. Like, Sorry. That's all, folks. <laughs> nah. Uh, yeah. That yeah, pissed me off right now. But um, this guy is pure evil. Just by that that crime he did.
0: Well, there's stuff that, again, that's going to hit my hometown where I'm at currently. It, it, uh, one of the cities he strikes in is is here, so mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot to get into. I mean, he rages through Southern California in the in the next episode, and it's gonna be pretty bad. So, uh, now, like death, you mentioned
2: earlier, you, I know you touched on we did the story a couple of years ago, but in part two, are you gonna elaborate on more details that we didn't know?
0: Correct. I got a lot okay. more stuff. That's why I think it may be a three. I don't know.
2: Hey, whatever it takes. Yeah exactly well thank you to here Todd Fox for breaking down part one of Richard Ramirez aka the Night Stalker um, we're going to end it here uh, but before we do want to briefly let you guys know where you can find us again you can find us on Instagram and Facebook just type in grinding true crimes and uh, there you can follow our page like our page and, uh, and we can uh, interact with you from there Uh, If you want to continue to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those outside of the U.S., we love you guys. Thank you for listening to us. You can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Okay. Man, that was tough. But that was just part one, and I'm quite sure it's going to get even more graphic. So um, we'll be tuning in to that one. But for Grinding to Crime, we're signing off. This has been Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are getting out of here.
1: Toodles.
0: Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>